Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. Um, I feel like I should be roaring a little bit right now. Uh, and my co-host uh, will tell you exactly why. My name is Gavrielle Hawkowen, and I am so excited to be here with you today. I'm, I'm Sadie Carpenter, and I am millions and millions of years old. Are you? I don't know. Well, the, I don't know. I'm so confused by all of this and like working so hard to get my brain around it that right now I kind of feel like I'm millions and millions of years old. Yes. Well, the elements that make you up are billions and billions of years old. Oh, uh, shoot. You're right. Yeah. So I can't get my head around this, dude. It's, this is so hard. So if you haven't noticed by now, see, I tried to think of like a good dinosaur pun. I couldn't think of a good dinosaur pun to open with because I, I didn't plan this out beforehand. <laughs> um, but, you know, that Sadie and I, um, what is this episode about? Uh, we went to a science museum and we looked at dinosaurs. And we're going to tell you about it. Yeah. It's going to be great. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, just to let you know our whole spiel, uh, this podcast, the Leaving Eden podcast, is the podcast about Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the IFB cult, the Independent Fundamental Baptist cult. So we seek to educate and to inform our listeners about the dangers of this cult, other cults, uh, real and present threat that this type of, of thinking, this type of ideology poses to society as a whole 
and we like to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, freedom of religion. So if you like this podcast, you are a fan of this podcast, please recommend it to your family and your friends. Um, right now, uh, as, as of recording this, we are the number 59 most popular documentary podcast in the United States. Uh, we'd like to break top 50 and all of our growth so far has been completely organic just from listeners finding us and recommending us to their friends and family. So we'd like to continue that as best we can. Yeah. Uh, but oh, I just wanted to say congratulations to you on having uh, the number 59 documentary podcast in America. Congratulations to you for being for also having and being the subject of the number 59 documentary podcast in America. Thank you. So thank you. <laughs> a lot but, of people. But, yeah. I'm sorry, but Gabby was like, he was dead on with that. Uh, when you share our podcast with your partner or your adult kid uh, or your neighbor or that Facebook group that you're in that is always asking for podcast recommendations uh, or on Reddit or anywhere else, you create this growth and you allow us to keep growing and to keep making better and better episodes. So uh, thank you to our listeners as yeah. well. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. You can join our Facebook group. If you go to Facebook, type in Eden Exodus. Our Facebook group now has more than 300 people in it. Posts literally every day, people telling their stories. Um, it's it's so much fun. Anyway, we should really get into this episode. Um, so Sadie. Yes. Last, was it Friday? Like three know. or four days ago, we went to, um, what, what did we do? There, so there, there is a an awesome science museum. In Portland, where we both live. Yes, the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry, also known as OMSI. And I noticed that they had a special exhibit on dinosaurs. Yes. So I thought, well, we've just got to go see that. That'll make an awesome podcast episode. We can go on a little field trip and then come tell our listeners what we saw. Yeah, it, and it was super fun. We took your daughter. We took Chuck. She was really good in a stroller. She really liked the dinosaurs, I think. Uh, she reacted well to them. She seemed intrigued and, and uh, enthralled by them. Yeah, she was She was looking around and engaging with the, the animatronic dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, it, was, it, it, was a really, it was a really good time. Uh, I got to do a lot of things that I have never done before. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was really something. It was really so you I mean, so you'd been to science museums before, though. Yes, I would go to science museums on field trips with my school. Because oh, that, me too. That was, yeah, that was still <laughs> something that we did. But when we went, so we would be instructed if if something said, millions or billions of years ago, we were just supposed to like glance our eyes over that. Like, you know, like the Duggars in Nike, you're not supposed to look at it. I um, didn't know. But wait, what is this? Oh, okay. So so the Duggars, if if one of the the daughters or Michelle sees a woman who's dressed immodestly, she will say Nike and that's their code word for the boys to look down at their shoes so they don't see any immodesty. What? Oh, this didn't. I, I thought I told you this on the Duggar episode. No, we did not talk about Sometimes this. This is there absolutely is... <laughs> brand new. This is news to. I'm sorry. This is this is ridiculous. We Sometimes need to talk there about is, this. Like, so much in an episode that we miss something. This is uh, like how I missed that. Um, that the ATI suggests examining people's poop to make sure that they're not eating too much fat, which I also just learned this week. What? 
Yeah. Uh, Speaking of the ATI, uh, somebody, uh, a listener, uh, I won't say any names on air uh, because, you know, protecting people's privacy, but we had a listener actually send us the advanced seminar. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's the advanced seminar textbook. I am so excited. I haven't gotten my hands on it yet, and I am just so excited. I'm probably going to stay up all night reading it. Yes, but to the listener who sent that to us, you know who you are. We love you. Uh, thank you for supporting our show. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I love that we are big enough to get gifts now, <laughs> especially cult propaganda materials. That is the best thing ever. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, also, I should say, like, I'm sorry. We're on, like, four consecutive rabbit trails right now, but I should say <laughs> while we're way out here in the boonies, if you have cult materials that you want out of your house – uh, because they give you bad memories or just because you don't want them anymore, consider, instead of burning them, consider giving them to me. I am I like to collect this stuff, um, and I burned all my Jack Scott books, and now I really regret doing that because I would love to have them for evidence reasons. So if you come across cult materials that you just need out of your house, if you would like to send them to me, send me a message or send the podcast a message and, and I'll let you know if it's something that I need for my collection. So anyway, we, we let's go back to this real quick. What were, what were we talking about before the 18 rabbit trails that brought uh, us out here? We were talking about Nike, how you were supposed to browse, okay. like look over the... Um, right. So we were supposed to just kind of not read or not pay attention to anything that referenced evolution, uh, which at a science museum is a lot of things. Mm. So we were allowed to learn about physics and uh, locks and dams and volcanoes and trying to think what else. Anything like engineering related? Engineering was a lot of what we did at the science museum. So the one in uh, the one in St. Louis where I grew up had an activity where you could build a replica of the arch and see how a Roman arch works like how it holds itself up. Uh, that was the kind of thing that we were encouraged to do. But sometimes we would not even be taken through the parts in the museum where they focused on evolution. I remember one time our school went to a natural science museum and there was a there was an area of the museum that showed like Neanderthals and other pre... What do you call them? Prehistoric humans? Or are they pre-humans? I guess early human. I don't know. Early um, humans. I don't know the correct terminology, and I don't want to offend our Neanderthal brothers and sisters. Um, well, Neanderthals existed at the same time as like early Homo sapiens, I think, right? And then also some of them. Why the hell are you asking me? Yeah, In I what guess world I would I know asking. the answer to that question? Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, there was there was a, there was an exhibit with wax figures of Neanderthals and such peoples. They were not all clothed because people or Neanderthals or whatever they are wouldn't have worn clothes necessarily back then in the way that we do. So would they wear like a toga, some like a loincloth, like furs like, and stuff? Yeah, uh, but we weren't even allowed in that area because the wax figures of Neanderthals were immodest. <laughs> so uh, I did go to science museums pretty much b- about yearly uh, as a ki- as a kid, but my experience was hev- heavily censored. Here's a question: Did you watch Winnie the Pooh as a kid, or was yes. Winnie the Pooh not like not immodest because Winnie the Pooh didn't wear pants? No, Winnie the Pooh and Donald Duck—they're fine because they're animals. Okay, but but uh, Bugs Bunny <laughs> was suspect because of all the cross dressing. <laughs> hey, what's up, Doc? 
Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, um, so, so I did go to science museums, but there was a lot of um, there was a lot of a lot of censorship uh, okay. involved. So, um, so the museum we went to, we went to the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry, also known as OMSI, which is a great museum. Um, being from Portland, uh, when I was growing up, we would go to OMSI all the time. And let me tell you, if you are, but like when I was between the ages of, I, I don't know, like, like four and like 16, if I found out, oh, we're going to OMSI, I'm just like, yeah, this is the, like, this is the shit. let me get like, it, it, like it was going to be a good time if you were going to OMSI. And, you know, I think my mom had an OMSI membership so you could go for cheaper and you know like in the summer i would do summer camps through omsi so you know that's how um there would be some summer camps where it was like a lego summer camp where you would learn engineering but you would use legos or there would oh, be man, like that a, sounds awesome oh it was super awesome it was like that that was a ton of fun or you know there would be a summer camp where i think one of them that one of the omsi summer camps is where i learned to use a soldering iron because you know my parents i mean my dad had a wood shop in the basement but my parents and, and, you know, he made most of the furniture in our house. But Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. A very, very talented man. Uh, I'll tell you that. Uh, but, you know, they as far as like their careers go, my parents weren't like work with your hands type people. So a lot of these like skill, like a lot of those kind of skills, like the, the soldering stuff like that is stuff that I learned how to do at like OMSI summer camps because it's like science and industry and so it's like the natural sciences like the 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 physics the biology and stuff but also like the the you know like the two this is how these things are actually done in the real world so it was like a a marriage of the two and there was like a section where you got to like uh shoot like they had like empty soda bottles that like you'd fill with water and compressed air and try to shoot them up into the air and stuff see who could shoot them the highest at a section where you could like build a um like like paper airplanes they teach you how to make different paper airplanes for like aerodynamics if you're going to omsi it was going to be a good time yeah a lot of those those uh hands-on activities sounds sound like the kinds of things that i was doing at the science museum growing up but you were going so you were going with your parents and then also for the summer camps did you also go on field trips with your school yes okay so you like lived at omsi I didn't live at OMSI, but like, you know, we, we'd, we'd go f- fairly frequently. And if you were going to OMSI, you knew it was going to be a good time. OMSI was the sh- like they had this one exhibit. I We went back and I was looking for it and I didn't see it. But they had this one exhibit where they're like, oh, this is what it feels like when there's like this big of an earthquake. It was like an earthquake simulator. But when you hit the earthquake simulator, it would play that Carol King song that goes, I feel the earth move under my feet i feel the sky tumbling down a tumbling yeah it was it was great so you were talking about this earthquake simulator thing when we were at the museum on friday yes and i went home and i was thinking about that and did it look kind of like a like a trolley car was the thing you stood on for it like a trolley car sort of but like bigger and like square like square but like with metal there's like a metal floor with like metal poles that you could hang on to kind of of. is it yellow or red no, maybe no it was it was black and gray okay so i'm feeling like i remember this thing because i was at omsi in 2015 which was a great experience <laughs> i was at omsi in 20 in 2015 and i think i wrote that went on this earthquake simulator thing 
But that OMSI trip in 2015 is the one where I attempted to convince an actual paleontologist that creation was real, which I don't know if I've talked about on the show before, but I'm real embarrassed about now. You mentioned it um, actually later because uh, for uh, August and September, we are doing all like back to school themed content. Like, you know, for June, we had Pride Month for August and September. I think we're going to do a lot of back to school themed content. So we're going to talk about like we've got science, we've got history, we've got banned books coming up. That's going to be real fun. And this is going to be great because um, like Evan was talking about when he was on our show, this is going to be an episode. These are going to be episodes where we we show you where to find information. Yeah. Um, And and. We talk more about some of the practicalities of, of educating yourself when you missed out on parts of your education. Yeah, and that's going to be a lot of that's see for me that's part of the the really fun episodes is like the where do you go when you get out is how do you, how do you build yourself because that's the that's the story that makes that that's the really compelling part of the story for me. Uh, I want to get back to this because because uh, later we're going to talk about evolution. Today we're talking about dinosaurs. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is that when I talked about when I, we were like brainstorming topic ideas for this, I was like, OK, well, we'll talk about dinosaurs in one episode and we'll talk about evolution in a different episode. And you were confused because you were like, aren't those the same thing? So my perception before talking about this and learning more about this was that dinosaurs are the primary reason that people who believe in evolution believe in evolution. And you're telling me that that's not correct? No. Okay, I mean, so I, believe, I wouldn't say it's the primary. In, it's Like you believe in evolution. Yeah. So my mom has a doctorate in geology and my dad is, uh, or my dad was a physician for 30 years. So all of this, so it was like the biology section of it and the geological section of it, like both of those, like, yes, evolution is the real thing. That's how I was raised. Okay. And you're sure about that? Oh, yeah. Okay. We're going to get into more more about that like in a minute. Um, yeah. Dinosaurs. So, but dinosaurs and like the existence of specifically dinosaur fossils, is that the number one reason that you believe in, sorry, I'm going to use the IFB word, evolutionism. Evolutionism. <laughs> everything's an ism with them ism. yeah that's how you immediately make something sound more like sinister is putting ism on the end of it right yeah yeah but, then but, turn but it are, into an ideology yes it well the theory the theory <clears throat> the theory of evolution um, i mean technically gravity is a theory um but are dinosaurs the main like the main the number one the primary reason that you believe in evolution no Okay, so we'll talk about the actual primary reasons later uh, on our evolution evolution episode. episode. I was so the impression that I was left with from growing up in the IFB and receiving their version of the events of the creation of the world and their ideas about dinosaurs. uh, What what I the impression that I came away with was that people who believe in evolution believe in evolution because of dinosaur fossils and. The other thing that I feel like I had to explain to you when we were starting to work through this episode was that young earth creationism and the belief in the a literal worldwide flood, like Noah's flood, but literally worldwide world changing, those beliefs are completely dependent on one another. Like those, those all of the proofs for one of them come from the other. 
So when we were at the at the museum, one of the things that I think we were we were talking about was like, okay, well, these fossils were found under like in this area, which was at one point in history like a, a lake bed. Like, right. The, yeah. So, and- so the IFB will teach several different things about dinosaurs and the existence of dinosaur fossils. So one view is that dinosaurs were never real. Fossil records are bones from many animals mixed together, uh, but they're not really dinosaurs. So what we think is a dinosaur, it's like bones from a woolly mammoth and then a head off a really big lizard or something. <sighs> that doesn't make very much sense. No, <laughs> I, get, I, I mean, it doesn't make very much sense. But that's but- like one view, but that's not what I was taught in the IFB. Well, I mean, the so so creationists will use that same argument with like Lucy, the um, who's a, a oh, the primate hu- skeleton. The, uh, yeah, the, like that. She was found. Where was she found? In was that like in? Oh, I can't remember anymore. Indonesia. You know, I can't remember. I haven't read anything about her in so long. But I remember. I remember this like people being like, "Oh, Lucy, it's a, it's a new discovery in the chain of evolution." Uh, or something, uh, but they will they will use that same argument. No, they found her in East Africa. Okay, uh, but they'll also like I think Piltdown Man turned out to be the jawbone of a pig, and then like the bones of a man or something. They will point to all of that stuff and use it to discredit different ideas of early humans. Interesting. But what I was taught about dinosaurs is that the Bible talks about them. Job's Leviathan is a dinosaur. The Leviathan is also mentioned in Psalms. I was specifically told that those were Brontosaurus, although I'm really not sure why I was told that. So the Loch Ness Monster is definitely a Brontosaurus, and it was talked about in the book of Psalms, and the Loch Ness Monster is proof of young earth creationism. Cool. We're done with this episode. Yeah, okay. (laughs) We did it. (laughs) There's that done. Okay, science... Uh, creation science is science, Gabby. Creation. I'm going to trigger the hell out of everybody on this episode. <laughs> oh, man. Everybody's going to hate me after this episode. Yeah. Uh, okay. Right, no, what, so what I was taught is that dinosaurs were were in the Bible. The Loch Ness Monster is one. Uh, dinosaurs were present in the Garden of Eden after the fifth day of creation, I think. Uh, could have been could have been the fourth day of creation. I can't remember if they were supposed to be created with the birds and the fish or with the land animals and mammals. Anyway, they were present in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And then dinosaurs coexisted with people on Earth until the time of the Great Flood. Uh, before the Great Flood, the Earth was much more lush than it is now because there were firmament, firmaments of water up in the sky, like a, like, a, like a shell on an egg. There was water all the way around the earth up in the sky, and the sun shone through the water, and it made a greenhouse effect. So that made everything on the earth grow much bigger what? and more lush. This is, this is like young earth creationism, bud, and the what? flood. This is like what the, they teach. What, wait, really? Yeah, do you need me to slow down? <laughs> I, have, I have not heard this before. This is... Okay, okay so before the flood, so between the Garden of Eden and what Noah's fault. So it's like like uh, 6,000 years ago to 4,000 years ago, which is when the flood was. Uh, there was a firmament of water around the earth like a shell on an egg. And the sun shone through that firmament, firmament uh, and made like a greenhouse effect on the earth. And that's how dinosaurs were able to get so big. And that's how there were giants like Goliath. Uh, Wait, and 
And people were like nine feet tall and people lived like 960 years old, like Methuselah. Because you remember, Methuselah lived yeah. to be 969 years old. Okay, we were- wait, wait, so why does, the, why does the being underwater make you live a long time? It's not underwater. It's the greenhouse effect and the blocking of like some of the rays of the sun or something. And, and like uh, the earth being really humid. It's like the entire earth was like a jungle. So like... <laughs> What? And and that's why people lived to be really old before the flood, because Noah lived to be really old, and Adam lived to be really old, and so did Methuselah and a bunch of other guys. Enoch, I think. Mm. So uh, when the Great Flood I, happened, and no, let me get when the, when the Great I, Okay, I knew about like the, the, <laughs> that like y- that like apparently the Earth is. I didn't know about this firmament of water greenhouse effect. What? Yeah, it's this in Genesis is, one. I am the I, waters above and the waters beneath. That's like that's how they interpret Genesis one, and also the flood narrative, which I think hold is on, in Genesis hold on, 9. hold on. Let me let me grab my copy of this real quick. Okay, I'm gonna pull up my phone Bible. Okay, so I'm at um, Genesis. Okay, Genesis one, verse six. Got it. Let me see one, two, three, four. Okay, and God said, "Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters." And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Okay, but I thought, isn't that like... So, it's like the atmosphere. The firmament is like the atmosphere. But no, before it's... the flood, there was so much water up there. So he says, God called the dry land earth and the gathering waters he called seas. That's the waters under the firmament. What about the waters above it? Which were like this, this like, it was like there was all this water up in the sky. That's what clouds are. Yes, but also there was water up above the clouds. When the great flood happened, when the great flood happened and God had to punish all the people on the earth for being sinful except for Noah and his three sons and their wives and Noah's wife and two of every animal on the world, uh, the firmament fell down. And that's what caused the flooding of the Great Flood because that's how the entire earth could be covered in water at the same time. So because Noah only put two dinosaurs on the ark, all those other dinosaurs got killed in the Great Flood and the pressure of all that water of the Great Flood pushing down on those dinosaurs is what made them into fossils. Oh, I've this is uh, this is way more bat <laughs> insane than like. This is just what I was taught. This is like this, this is, is like this, this is creationism. Uh, this is like what it is. Okay, well, this is, this is not what? abnormal. I don't think. I, I'm pretty I'm, sure this is like the normal belief. This is what they teach at that Ark place in Kentucky. So when you tell me that, it just reinforces my belief that, <laughs> that like, this is absolute, like, hot dog Okay, <laughs> so... <laughs> what the hell? If you believe this and you are listening to our podcast, uh, no offense to you, uh, but I think you're... Dude, I'm not 100% sure I don't believe this. And, like, I know... <laughs> Brainwashing is strong with this one. <laughs> no, I know this sounds insane, and I'm not offended by you laughing. I'm really not... Um, I understand this sounds completely nuts. I really do. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue this just to be contrarian, uh, or like just to, to, you know, I'm not putting on a bit for our podcast. I just really was taught to believe this with all my heart and I'm having a very difficult time letting it go. But we're going to talk more about that at the end of the episode. So, um, 
I just want to finish the the Noah's flood bit of this whole thing. Uh, Noah took two dinosaurs on the ark, but there weren't when they got off the ark, the plants hadn't grown enough yet, and the two dinosaurs who were on the ark didn't have enough plants to eat, so they died. So wh- which, which dinosaurs like, did he bring? Well, it would have to. He would. Um, it would be a brontosaurus and because it's supposed to be so we brought two brontosaurus no or... because those could live in water because they're the Loch Ness monster we know it didn't put anything on the ark that's able to live in water like fish weren't oh, on the okay. ark so it would probably i don't even know what kind of dinosaur it would have been so they would have been plant eater dinosaurs they wouldn't been he would have been just like you know if i bring a t-rex on here it's gonna eat, it's all, gonna the eat all the lions and like, then we wouldn't have lions Oh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, but the, like, if you have lions, then aren't the lions going to eat all like the the antelope that you bring? No, because the ark had all these cages in it for the people, which we know because people climbed on Mount Ararat and found the ark, and also because God put all the animals on happy pills so that they wouldn't eat each other while they were on the ark. But he didn't have a cage big enough for a T Rex. He had a cage big enough for a T Rex. And why didn't he bring a T Rex? I don't know. Do you I'm, ask God. God's the one who sent the animals seems, to Noah. Okay, cool. So, I so I don't know. It just seems like poor planning on God's part that the dinosaurs didn't survive <laughs> after they got off the ark. <laughs> like, it just seems like that seems like something like as a mom, uh, I have to think about, you know, feeding myself and feeding this tiny human all the time. And I've got to, you know. I've got to do everything, all all of the normal, you know, showering and, and getting dressed and, and brushing my teeth and eating for myself. And I've got to do all of that for a tiny one as well. And I can remember everything. You'd think that God could remember food for dinosaurs. Hmm. But. And he is omnipotent. Yeah. yeah omnipresent. You'd, you'd, you'd think, but apparently not. Uh, so that's kind of what I was taught about dinosaurs and fossil records I was also shown a lot of pictures of human footprints next to dinosaur footprints, like somewhere in a fossil record somewhere that makes it look like they were walking together. Oh, that's the other that's the other like important bit. Well, you know how there's layers of the earth? Yeah. And we're like, oh, it's this many. Yeah, it's this many layers deep. So we can assume that it happened this many years, million years ago. I am very familiar with this. Yeah. Yeah. The the people who believe in young earth creation don't believe in that because the flood deposited all those layers over the course of 40 days and then squished them down real hard because the water was real heavy. So that's wild to me because a rock is heavier than water, but B, you know, because like, well, it wasn't rock at the time. It was dirt. It was like sand, you know, sand that made sandstone. Sure. But so, so, cause when I was growing up, okay, my mom has a doctorate in geology and she studied, uh, she, she went to grad school in Arizona. So, you know, we would go on vacation, uh, from Portland to like places like Grand Canyon. And I remember, you know, we would, we, we would go into the Grand Canyon and she'd be like, oh, well, this layer of rock is of 780 million years old. And this layer of rock is, uh, 1.3 billion years old and this layer of rock is 2 billion years old you know when we go down because if you go to the Grand Canyon then there's like different layers to it you can see it like very openly exposed like the sandstone and the limestone and the the all of that so hearing hearing you say these things I'm just like how could they believe that especially but because how you, could you believe that it's a billion years old well because the the Grand Canyon couldn't have that part of the world couldn't have been underwater because it's at raised elevation. It's a giant plateau. Well, the entire world was underwater, Gavi. The entire world at the same time. There was nothing sticking up out of the water. 
Well, then it's, where a, did, it's, a, it's an allegory for baptism, goddammit. But it's raised elevation. Yeah, that the water was like super deep. It would have been sticking out. No, like nothing was sticking out. Well, then where did all the water go? It came from the firmament and then it went into the oceans. Yeah, but the the oceans are like it's going to settle into the oceans pretty quick. It's not going to take 40 days for it to get to the ocean. Water goes to the well, lowest. So the entire gravity. surface of the entire world was covered in water at the same time with nothing sticking out except for the ark. But that was so That only works if the earth out. is like a perfect sphere. The earth is a perfect sphere. Isn't it? Well, what, like if there's no like like bumpy parts, there's bumpy parts on the earth that are going to stick out of the water. That's what land is. No, the water was so deep that it covered all the bumpy parts at once. Well, then why isn't it still? Well, then where did that water go? The ocean. So, so, okay. So all the earth was covered in water. And at that time, there was only one continent, which is called Pangea, which you know about too. You, you, you other people believe in this too. We know about Pangea. Pangea okay. So everything was on one continent. The water covered the whole earth, which means like everything was covered. And there weren't really mountains before the flood because the flood moved everything around and that's when it made mountains. So it wasn't as bumpy before the flood anyway. So plate tectonics is fake. Plate tectonics is real. That's how it works. It's like when the flood happened and all the continents broke apart and floated across the world, the continents, the plates underneath the continents bumped into each other and that made mountains. So basically what you're doing here, this argument that you're making to me, like, it's like, it's like you're talking about great literature and you're trying to be like, okay, who is the greatest writer of all time? And somebody's like Shakespeare. And then you're like, if Shakespeare is so great, how come he's dead? Like, that's the <laughs> level of argument that you're making here that I'm like, I'm so confused by like, none of this make like, if you think about this for like two seconds, none of this makes any sense whatsoever. So uh, what I what I would like you to understand at this juncture in our conversation here is that this is I am not I'm not using the technical terminology or the verbal tricks to make this sound better that I was taught because frankly it's early in the morning and I've only had one cup of coffee uh, and I don't feel like it at this time and you don't feel like re brainwashing yourself. <laughs> I'm not using like I'm not there is verbiage that people who believe this will use to make it sound a whole lot better than I'm making it sound, which I just don't feel like doing right now. But the facts that I am telling you are exactly what I was taught and like exactly what this is the best that young earth creationists have. The facts that uh, I like. Sorry. Facts with, with air quotes. The facts with an X. Yeah. The <laughs> concepts that I'm explaining to you are the best that young earth creationists have. Uh, I am not explaining it in the best way, like the most intelligent sounding way, because I don't feel like it today. But these concepts are the the premier <laughs> young earth creationist scientists ideas. Let's talk about going to the museum because then I want to get into the whole, I want to get back into the whole millions and billions thing. Yeah. So, so how was it? So you walk into the science museum, not as like a, to like actually go to the, the, the dinosaur part of the museum. <laughs> it was a really cool feeling. I was like pretty much skipping through the parking lot because this was my first time in a science museum having an open mind to the things that they are saying. This is the first time I've ever been to a science museum and not just been determined from the, from the start to reject anything that they say. <laughs> 
and now I'm more, you know, more thinking like, oh, well, I don't really know. I don't really know. And I want to find out. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's the way that you're supposed to go. Like, you know, because that's what science is, is people smarter than me say this. So let me believe them, I guess. Uh, and here's the evidence that they can show me that I understand, but they have more evidence that I don't quite under. I feel like that's sort of, it, it, you know, they have their way of explaining it that makes sense to other science people, but then they have to also make it sen- make sense to everyone else. So that's why they have the, the science museum. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you feel about that? Did you feel like it made sense to you? Some of it really did. So I was, I was, so we, we got to the, we got to the dinosaur exhibit. Yeah. And so they had animatronic dinosaurs, which were super fun, super cute. Also, some of them were weird looking. I liked the ostrich one. I can't remember what its name was, but it it had the cheeping sound. Yes. <laughs> it sounded like a chicken, but it looked like an ostrich. I thought it Is was Is that the one cute. with feathers? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck liked that one too. Um, I So the first thing I was surprised to find out that dinosaurs apparently lived here in Oregon. Yes. My mind so, was so blown by that. I thought they all lived in like um, the Fertile Crescent and maybe in like Arizona or something and in Iraq. And that's about it. So, yeah. So maybe this in is, Africa. I don't know. So this is a, a thing about this is that dinosaurs lived like everywhere. Like everywhere. That's what they're telling me at this museum. And I was like, I was so, my mind was so blown. So the reason why they find fossils in specific particular places is because the conditions in those places were the right ones to preserve the fossils. You see what I'm saying? So like if, if you're in a dry, arid place, if it's a sandy, you know, a a desert, then the because how how are fossils made fossils are made when something doesn't decompose in the same way as it would if you know if you die in like a material let me see this is like the fourth time you've explained it to me and i think i've got it poor gobby you guys he was he was so sweet he he spent the entire time at the museum explaining like the same three concepts to me over and over until they finally got through my head um Hey, don't hey, give, yourself, hard, give yourself more credit than that. I mean, you, you seemed like you 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 get like half of it the first time, and then you would ask. For, uh, but it was mostly that you were asking more follow up questions, like more specific. Yeah, and stuff, but see, I is, felt like you had to repeat yourself a lot just because I was like, "What? What? But the it's f- oh my god!" But it's also because you know I had grown up knowing these concepts from such a young age that like that I would just like say something and glance over it, and then you would be like, "Wait, go back to that." Tell- yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So so let me see if I can explain what fossils are though. Yes. Um, organic material gets buried in sand in a arid, hot, dry environment. And because of the lack of moisture, it doesn't decay as quickly. It's replaced by other minerals in the same shape as the organic material once was. And then later, that sand gets smushed by something and it becomes sandstone and then there's a fossil trapped in sandstone. I think that's accurate. I, I'm not. I'm not a hundred. Like if somebody who's like a geologist or a paleontologist is listening to this and they're like, "Oh, they got something wrong." Please let us know. But I think I think that's right. Yeah. If you're if you're a, a, a scientist, specifically if you deal with like dinosaurs or evolution, uh, send us all the emails. We would we would love to learn from you. 
Yes. Um, so she uh, went to. And so one of the things that they had there was they had like a real T-Rex skull that you could look at and see like and it was a very, you know, well-preserved T-Rex skull, you know, with all these teeth and so you were many just teeth. looking at it. And I probably stood for 20 minutes and just stared at that thing. Yeah, because that's was- not the type of thing that you can like fake really I mean, can you? I don't know. It's just, it's just like, okay. So, so I was looking at this T Rex skull fossil thing, and it's super detailed. There's so much to look at. Like you can see the the eye sockets and the sinuses, and then like a million teeth. Yeah, you like those teeth, didn't you? She's making little dinosaur noises of her own. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I was just like standing and looking at it, and I was just starting to feel like I was getting my head around the fact that maybe T Rexes like did exist for real, and this might actually be the fossil of a skull of one of them. Maybe I can accept that. And I was just feeling like I was about to break through into that reality uh, when a guy from the museum walked by, and you were like, "Hey, uh, do you know how old this T Rex? How long ago this T Rex would have been alive?" And he said 250 million years. And then that just knocked me right out of my headspace. Yeah, because that's such a ma- – because a human lifetime is like 100 years if you're lucky. Yeah, this unless is, you're Methuselah or Adam or Enoch or some of those guys. That's 25 million times as long ago as a human could live. Yeah. That's um, – I was just, I was always taught that if you see the phrase millions of years or billions of years ago, so, and this is information control, um, I was taught that if you see that phrase, just laugh at it. Like, if you see that phrase, just immediately go to, that's ridiculous. That never happened. That, and that was something that was really, really brainwashed into me. So it's really hard for me to let go of that idea of like, oh, that's ridiculous. That didn't happen. Yeah. So I hear 250 million and it's really hard not to react with like, oh, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Of course not. Right. So 200, I mean, and even like a million years gives me that reaction. So 250 million is just like insane to me. That I mean, that, that that's totally understandable because it's such it's a time frame that our I think our human brains are not made to comprehend this time frame right and it's, it's like you can't you can't comprehend a billion dollars either it, no it's exactly like that if you see a million dollars next to a billion dollars you're like oh wait what hold on yeah yeah like it's like there are things that there are things that we just don't understand super well and things in the millions and billions are are definitely one of them i just stood and looked at that t-rex fossil do you want to go you want to take a break and go get a bottle okay uh, I'll be right back. Yeah. So why don't we take up a why don't we take a break right now and then we'll come back and talk about carbon dating. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news: ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to Amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's Amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Sadie. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode one, where we start the whole story. You might also want to check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism. If you like the show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really do appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back. Chuck has her bottle. Uh, um, we're going to pick up right where we left off. Uh, we didn't really plan a break into this episode. We just figured we'd put it where we want it. So S- Sadie, I think, uh, got interrupted mid-sentence by... By Chuck, as I do. <laughs> It's all right. Baby um baby got her vaccines yesterday, which is great because vaccines protect us from diseases. Yeah, what she get she get MMR. Yeah, uh, and some other things. And I'm so happy that she's protected from getting majorly sick, but she's a little extra needy today. She's not happy about it. <laughs> She will be when she's older, but yeah. not now. Um, sweet, sweet baby. She's just a little extra cuddly and needy today. Um, so I was talking about just standing there looking at that T-Rex fossil and just trying to get my head around millions of years and really failing at that. I just and I think this is where I started asking you a lot of questions about carbon dating and how do we know? Like, how do we know how old something is? So I see like so uh so should I go in why don't you try to explain carbon dating Okay um we'll we'll see if you totally get it because I so my mom as I said uh doctorate in geology uh over the weekend I went and I was like mom will you totally explain carbon dating to me and I asked her like I bet she loved that She she enjoyed it I asked her a bunch of questions that she, she didn't quite understand totally what I was asking and then I looked them up on the internet later and got my answers to them so i bet uh, she really enjoyed um her kid being super interested in something that she's passionate about though i mean she i know if chuck tried was, to, like chuck asked me about the different methods of piano tuning and asked me to explain it to her so we'll be so jazzed <laughs> okay i mean yeah, if chuck I'm, asked me about that now i'd be a little disturbed because she has not previously said any words i mean she was those like genius level stuff man genius baby um <laughs> So yeah, explain carbon dating. Okay, so I was so there's there's an old illustration. If you had a rubber ball, and this ball, once you drop it, it bounces half as high every subsequent bounce. So if you drop it from four feet, the second time it'll bounce up to two feet, and then the time after that it'll bounce up to one foot, and then it's six inches, and then it's three inches, and then it's an inch and a half, and from there. It continues bouncing half as high every bounce, and eventually the bounces would be very small, uh, but they would still be measurable, and they would still be half of whatever the bounce before was. 
that's an illustration of a half-life. Yes. Uh, there is a, a an isotope or something of carbon. So carbon is the element that is present in all living things, uh, plants and animals and people. And carbon has an isotope or something, and I'm not really sure what an isotope is, but um, it has there, – there are elements of carbon that decay – in predictable units of time and a half-life is the time that it takes that element to decay halfway like one bounce of the ball in that illustration yes. so it'll decay by half or reduce by half in a given amount of time um and then half again so down to a quarter of what it originally was in that same amount of time and then half again, so down to an eighth of what it originally was in that same amount of time. It's predictable and measurable. So a carbon dating machine, is it a machine? Uh, I mean, they just take samples of it um, and they, they test the samples to so, see. Yeah, so it's it's not like, I don't think it's like a machine. What I've it always is, envisioned it like, a, like an x-ray, like an MRI machine. I, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's how they, I you know, I wouldn't know. I, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> Um, it might be. I don't know because they well, – we'll get into that later, but yeah. So carbon dating measures what's left of that original carbon and makes a prediction on the age of the item based on how many half-lives they think it has gone through. Yeah, Is that's that it? That's, that's the basic concept, but there's some key details that really make it make – so. Okay, so tell me what tell me what I'm tell me what I'm missing, and then I'll ask you my two big questions about carbon dating, and we'll see if we can figure them out. So uh, isotopes. So you. So I'll explain about isotopes. So do you know about isotopes? It's no, like I. It was in my science book, but also I had ACE science, so I like I read it and answered the questions, but I never understood it. Which is the thing about ACE. Uh, if I can just rant for like half a second, no matter how smart you are. In ACE, these concepts that like biology and physics concepts that are extremely difficult to understand, there's nobody that you can ask questions about them because your teachers are not trained at all. So you read this stuff and if it doesn't make sense to you, you just memorize the answers and then you can pass the test, but you never really grasped the concept. Uh, and this is one of the many downfalls of ACE. Yes, that I mean that makes perfect sense. But so you so an element is so what element something is is determined by how many protons it has. Okay, you you, you know that. Yes. So there's three. I know, yeah, I got that part. So there's three of these particles. There's protons, uh, which are positively charged, electrons, which are negatively charged, and there's neutrons, which are neutrally charged. So basically, the an element, uh, if it's just like sitting there it will have the same number of protons or electrons and it will have some number of neutrons. The isotope, it, 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 and so like most carbon will have six protons and six neutrons. An isotope will have a different number of protons or neutrons. If so, it has a different number of protons, how is it still? Carbon? I mean, no, it, it'll ha it'll have the same number of protons, but it'll have a different number of neutrons. Okay, that makes that makes sense, and now I am remembering what an isotope is. So thank you. Yeah. So most car like ninety nine point something percent of all of the carbon that you see is going to be carbon twelve, uh, which means that there's six protons, six neutrons. Carbon fourteen is a radioactive isotope of carbon. So carbon fourteen 
has six protons and it has eight neutrons. And neutrons don't change the, the chemical composition of the element because they're neutral. So no. it doesn't throw the proton the proton electron balance out of whack. Right. That, okay, that makes sense. But the thing is, if you have an isotope of an element, some isotopes are unstable, and so it would be radioactive. So an iso- like if, if an isotope of something is going to be un- like less stable, it's going to be radioactive. Carbon fourteen is an is an isotope of carbon that comes to exist when nitrogen and I'm, i i had to look this up when nitrogen which i think is the seventh element yeah nitrogen is the seventh element uh under it, it exists in the atmosphere and if it takes in a certain amount of solar radiation then it will decay in some way that the proton one of the protons becomes a neutron and then instead of having seven protons it has six protons and eight neutrons instead of seven and seven so nitrogen becomes carbon 14 nitrogen becomes carbon 14 but it is it is a rare so basically if you are alive right now if you or i are alive right now uh, there's going to be a certain like less than 1% level of the amount of carbon that's in our body that is carbon 14. So like 99% of it is going to be carbon 12. And then a small percent of that is going to be carbon 14 because carbon 14 just exists in the atmosphere. And as we are interacting with the atmosphere, as we are, you know, interacting with with plants because you know we breathe in oxygen, we breathe out carbon dioxide, we take in hydrocarbons and that's the energy um, you know, that we, that we eat that, and then the chemical reaction in us, uh, it, we take in oxygen, the oxygen mixes with the, you know, it's like a, a chemical reaction produces energy. And then the, we breathe out carbon dioxide. So a certain amount of like 1% of the carbon that is in living things is going to be carbon 14. So if you kill something like, see, you chop down a tree. Um, then that tree is going to stop doing those chemical reactions and interacting with the outside atmosphere. And that means that it's going to, that the level of carbon 14 at that point is going to start to decay. So it takes it from the time when that thing was killed to, I guess now, and you can tell how old something is by how much carbon 14 is in it. Does so that make sense? That makes sense. My first question is, do you have to know what material that thing originally was so that you know how much carbon-14 was in it to begin with? You just have to be able to tell the difference. You have to be able to tell um, the ratio of how much carbon-14 versus how much carbon-12. So it's just it's just carbon. If it's If it's got carbon, then there's going to be a certain ratio of carbon 14 to carbon 12. So you don't have to know what it was made of or, or what chemical the, as long as it's got carbon, it's going to have uh, carbon 14 and carbon 12. And you're going to be able to tell how old it is by the ratio between those two things. Okay. So the, the, the original, you said that people have about 1% at the most carbon 14 in them and the other 99%. Oh, it's much less than 1%. It's, it's so there's, I think it's, it's a very, very, very small amount. Okay. So if I have a very, very small amount of carbon 14 in me, 
does a tree have a similar very, very small amount in it to start with? Yes. So all things with carbon start pretty much at the same place. Yes. Okay. So me or a tree or a piece of linen or a flower would all have roughly similar amounts of carbon-14 at the time of death. Not the linen. At the time of death. Not the linen because the linen's been killed already. Right. Well, at the time that the plants were cut down to make the linen, though. At, at the time. That, yeah. At the time that the plants were, were cut down, as the, then it would have a similar amount as okay. you or as a tree or as a cow or as a dinosaur. Okay. And then once it dies, it starts, the carbon starts decaying because it's not interacting with the outside world anymore. Okay. That makes great sense. So are you ready for my other question about carbon dating? Yes. Okay. So here's, here's where I, here's, this is combining. So I was, sorry, I'm going to back up again. (laughs) I was taught that carbon dating is extremely inaccurate. So when scientists tell us that something is so many million years old, we can just completely disregard that. I was also told stories about scientists putting a sample of something that they knew was only five years old through carbon dating, and the machine would say that it's 20 million years old. Because however they do carbon dating, it's severely biased to making things very old. I don't know i don't know about that um i mean that's gotta be i I wasn't really able to find yeah so you look this up i wasn't able to find these claims yeah i i I did i did a i did a small amount of research to try to find these claims um i wasn't able to find anything with just a very cursory like poking around on google i was neither able to find whether that story is apocryphal or whether it's true and there was some problem with the machine, and here's how we corrected it. So I have no idea what the resolution to that was. So it's just like, oh, this is like some email forward thing that some, yeah. Yeah, but you know how the IFBR about their chain email type information. Right. So that it, what, that kind of thing was passed around and never confirmed. But this is these are the stories that I was told to support their belief that carbon dating is severely biased towards very, very old, towards things being very, very old. Like, oh, well, we put something, we put a piece of the paper that Lincoln wrote the Gettysburg Address on into carbon dating, and it said it was 50 million years old. It would be like that. Right. So, and I just, I just wasn't able to find enough on, you know, enough online to make any kind of statement about those claims. Um, Right, but I mean the the piece of paper that Lincoln wrote the Gettysburg Address on, you wouldn't put that through carbon dating because you already know how old. Well, okay, yes. Yeah, because you already because we already a we already know how old it is, and b you know it's it hasn't been around for long enough because like, I guess paper is made out of wood. I always forget about that because the IFB hates environmentalism. So here's here's one of the things to to think about is that the so the half life of carbon fourteen uh, is is roughly 5730 years plus or minus 40 years. So there is there is a margin of error in there. So it's plus or minus 40 years. Okay. Yeah, how old is how long is history recorded? Roughly 5000 years. Yeah, 6000 years because of that's when the planet was created. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have five, like 5,000 years, 6,000 years of recorded history. So basically, there's stuff that 
we know how old it is because of historical reasons, not because of we put it through carbon dating. Right. Right. You you see what I'm saying? There's stuff like we can go back and find something from the Roman Empire. Right. And we know that that is roughly 2000 years old because we know from history that's when the Roman Empire was around. And then you can carbon date that. And that's a long enough time frame that you will get a sort of accurate level of, okay, this is what the half life of of carbon 14 is. You see what I'm saying? So like if you find something, so we know for historical reasons, not for like carbon dating reasons, how old things in ancient Egypt were, you know, roughly, you know, 3000 years ago or whatever. And then we can go back and we can put them through carbon dating and say, okay, well, this has this percent of the carbon 14 left. You see what I'm saying? So, right. But here, here's my question about it. Yeah. I think that it makes sense to me that carbon dating could be accurate for things in relatively recent history. So it makes sense to me that if you've got, if you put, okay, I don't know if you read this article. There's a very interesting article. Somebody recently just found a piece or a bed frame that would have belonged to Henry VIII. Yeah. I think I sent you that. Oh, you, yeah, you probably, I'm the one that sent you that. (laughs) I I was like, Sadie likes like cool historic. It was just like a bed frame that somebody got it. Like it turns out it was, yeah. I thought it might've been my aunt who is also super into history and and cool things like that. Um, But no, now that I think about it, it probably was you. Um, Yeah. The Tudor bed frame. So it makes sense to me that if you put that bed frame through the carbon dating process, that it would the carbon dating process would say, oh yeah, this is about 500 years old, or maybe a little bit older because the wood might have been cut down years before. So that makes sense. I can I can I can accept that. Or even that if you if you put a piece of the wrappings from King Tut through carbon dating, that it might say that it's about 3,000 years old. That makes that makes sense based on what I've now learned about carbon dating. What doesn't make sense, so like we know that this process is accurate on things within relatively recent history because we can cross-reference what the carbon dating says with what the history says, and they kind of prove each other or support each other. What I don't get is how do we know that the machine is accurate when it says 40 million years? Well, it's not like a machine that they, I don't think it's like a machine that they put it through. Okay. I've always heard it was a machine and I'm having trouble getting that visual out of my head. Yeah. I think the IFB are like figuring out, you know, like mad scientists, you know, putting something through a machine and it beeps them out a number. No, that's that's, exactly what I've always been seeing. Hang on. I got to pick up the baby. So uh, believe it or not, I do have an answer to that question. Okay. That would be fantastic because like, I, I feel like I'm at the point where I can accept that that carbon dating works for things that we can correlate with, with, with written history where I don't, I I have a hard time. I have a hard time trusting it when it says 40 million. Well, what's the difference between 40 million, 20 million and 80 million really? When we are talking about dinosaur bones and fossilized remains of things, we are talking about geologic timeframes. We are not talking about geologic timeframes are timeframes that are so vast that it is difficult for humans to comprehend like we were talking about earlier so like we're talking millions of years billions of years so when we would go to the museum we and you say you were looking at that t-rex skull that guy said 
roughly 250 million years old. That skull could have been 205 million, uh, 255 million years or 245 million years. You, you see what I'm saying? Like there is a margin of error built into these things, built into carbon right. dating. So we, that's, but with geology, the time frames are so vast that like, say, give or take four or five million years. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like, just. I, yeah, that is an, like, I can see how that's an acceptable margin of error. Like the difference between five million years and 10 million years is not so much of a acceptable margin of error but the difference between 245 and 255 million is yeah i i can i can get that but how how do you know the like the the carbon dating process is accurate if there is if there's nothing that you know 100 percent sure is 250 million years old to test it against well the, i mean like how do you test your process though you test your process on stuff that you know how old it is, so stuff that's more recent. And that's so you have stuff that's recent and that's how you develop a margin of error and then you extrapolate it out. Like like I said, you know, with science, a lot of with science is, you know, it's never like knowing everything one hundred percent fully. It's being like, Okay, well, we got closer to this, you know. It's just like you you know that you know pi, right? Pi yeah. is three point one four one five nine two six five. Yeah, I only memorized the 10 digits because I'm not that big of a nerd. Right. But the thing with that is that that basically goes on forever. And pi they can is, keep... Yeah, there's every combination of numbers in pi. Like your birthday's in pi somewhere. And they keep, you know, they can keep calculating, like calculating it out and calculating it out and calculating it out. But 10 digits or whatever is how many you need to calculate to accurately calculate a circle the size of the known universe. Um, so, but you see what I'm saying is that like a lot of science is, I, I don't, it's not guesswork because it's like, it, because, you know, they, they have a hypothesis and then you test the hypothesis and you see, you know, and it's, it's just getting more and more accurate. So it's yeah, not the scientific exact method. Yeah. And the scientific method requires that things be repeatable. Like yeah. if you did the same experiment, you'd get the same answer. Yeah. So, you know, they're finding different bones and they're saying, okay, well, these are dinosaurs that we these are dinosaurs that were found in this same kind of rock. They have the same amount of carbon in them of carbon 14 in them. These are ones that are in a lower layer of rock. So that means that they're older and then they have a lower layer of carbon 14 in them. But like like I was saying, this this is over uh, like this isn't totally exact. This is uh, and but when we're talking about geology and time in geology one, two, five, ten, fifty, a hundred, a thousand years is nothing because the earth is, I don't know how many billion years old the earth is, but like it's. Yeah. I, Jonathan said it's billions of years old when I came home from the museum. Yeah. I mean, let me, let me look it up. Nuts. Earth age is, it says 4.5 billion years old. That's how old the earth is. That's, I mean, and that's just a amount of time that is so difficult to comprehend for people that even when we get into millions of years old and having a margin of error that could be like a million years, that is something that's difficult for people to comprehend. So we know that it's accurate to a degree to where we can basically roughly point out where something, when something was alive. But it's not accurate to a degree that we can tell you that thing's birthday. Right. Okay. 
that that makes more sense and i feel like a lot of my questions have been answered but i just i feel like this is maybe an episode where i should be more vulnerable because i just it's just so hard to believe it it just really is and like how do you believe how do you believe in something when there's so many i don't knows because i guess go ahead well let me let me ask you that and then i'll kind of give you my follow up how do you believe in something when there are so many like probabilities and estimateds and I don't knows. Uh, well, a lot of pe- a lot of times, you know, there is a lot of guesswork in something, right, in your life, and you say, "I think this is probably going to happen," and then you behave as if that thing is going to happen, and then when that thing does happen, you're like, "Okay, well, you know, I was right." You, you see what I'm saying? And there's a lot of things in life that you just don't know. <laughs> I'm always really worried that when I ask people a million questions about modern scientific concepts, specifically things that have to do with evolution, I'm always worried that people are going to think that I'm just playing the devil's advocate or that I'm a diehard creationist and I am never going to change my viewpoint and I'm just asking questions to poke at them. I'm worried that people think I am disingenuous with why I'm asking so many questions. And I think that was the best thing about going to OMSI with you, Gabi, is that the way you treated me was was as some somebody who was just honestly asking questions because I really want to know. Well, you never got to, I mean, it's, it's like when I was a kid, you know, and I would go to the museum, I would ask questions like, how does this work? How does that work? And, but you never really got to do that in the same way. So I was just pretending, I don't want to say I was pretending like you were a kid, but I was treating it the same sort of way, like... If, if I were going to go there with somebody who just legitimately doesn't know because they haven't seen this before. Yeah. And it was kind of a child, a childlike experience in a good way. Uh, I was so like, I was so blown away to find out that dinosaurs lived in Oregon. Yeah. Well, did <laughs> that, we talk about why that was? Um, Sure. I don't remember. You have to fill me back in. <laughs> well, what it was, was dinosaurs lived everywhere. It's just that, you know, it's where their bones were preserved is where we find them. So it was, you know, I like areas around the... The, the like the the southwest and the great plains and like the badlands drier because, areas yeah the the drier areas where didn't just decompose and they got actually so they got preserved so they could get found yeah or it's like higher elevation so it's more arid you know yeah yeah and so you're looking at this you're like i didn't know they lived here but they yeah they find dinosaur bones in oregon you know in like southwest oregon or i mean southeast oregon from time to time it just, it really changed my perspective completely to think of a dino, like back when, where my house is now, like that would have been probably some kind of forest. And to think that back then there were maybe dinosaurs just like coming up the hill, chomping on trees. Yeah. That's just, that just, it's mind blowing. And that really, that was really a, a piece of perspective that I think I was missing. But you you didn't treat me like I was asking questions just to be a jerk or that I had some kind of ulterior motive behind my questions. And I think that's something that a lot of us who don't know about these things fear when we start to ask questions. Because if you remember, of course, in the IFB, if you ask a question, you're not asking because you want to know. You're asking a question to be disrespectful or you're asking a question because you have a rebellious spirit or you're asking – you know, they, they don't treat questions as – something that can ever be a good thing. That's something that's been ingrained into people like me who did come up in 
the IFB or a similar environment. And I think when we get out, we can be worried that if we ask, we can be worried that we don't know how to ask legitimate questions. And we worry that the people around us are going to treat us the way that we have been treated in the past, which is that questions are disrespectful or that you're always asking a question with an ulterior motive that you're not, there's no such thing as asking because you just really want to know. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, a, a really salient point, especially because, you know, you're going to coming into this, you're going to have a bunch of misconceptions that you won't even thought have thought of as misconceptions. And then you're just going to be like, oh, well, that doesn't jive with something that maybe seemed innocuous that you were told. But then you have to find out, oh, that innocuous thing that is just like, oh, did you know this about history? Well, turns out that isn't true either. I'm trying to think of an example about that, but I can't. You, well, you know what I'm I saying? Was, I was more willing. I was willing to accept the existence of dinosaurs and I was willing to accept, OK, well, OK, maybe this is actually a, a fossilized Tyrannosaurus Rex skull. Like maybe. OK, so so let's accept that that's true. How do you know that it doesn't exist because this T-Rex died in the Great Flood? That was a kind of kind of a sticking point for me. I remember asking you a whole bunch like, okay, so but these are not because of the flood. Yeah. And like there's no chance that this dinosaur was chilling in the garden with Adam and Eve. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah, or or you know, or you were like, well, was was it under the flood? Well, I'm like, well, you know, the middle of the country was under like was actually a giant lake for a while and you're just like, I was wait, like, what? No, the flood. But what? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you know, the Great Plains, you know, that was all underwater for millions and millions of years. Uh, that was that was a, a lake bed. And you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's yeah. like, there's just so much because I don't have the conception of history. Like, I don't understand the whole concept of history going back before about 6000 years ago before written history. Right. I, I just I cannot conceptualize that. So it's. It's a lot for me to to try to get my head around in a lot of ways. And I just I'm I'm really thankful that you didn't treat me like I was just asking questions just to to be dumb because I feel like um in modern culture people like to do what they call being the devil's advocate and that that is typically somebody who says, "Well, let me just be the devil's advocate." is like 90 to 95% of the time, somebody who just wants to say something that's really, really sh** and get away with it because, oh, no, I was just playing devil's advocate, just, just asking questions. Just saying. Yeah. How would you respond to this argument that I could be making, but I'm not actually making that argument? But I'm not saying that, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not, say, I'm not, but like, how would you respond to that argument if you were, well, are you making that argument or not? Right. Like, do, do you think this or not? Or are you just trying to make are you, are you just trying to be a jerk? Like, right. And I think that, that those of us who have come out of the IFB, our questions can kind of sound like that sometimes, uh, especially to people who don't know the backstory of why we're asking these questions that we would have normally learned the answer to in like sixth grade. Yeah. Um. So like when I like I want to ask you, like, wh well, why do you believe in this? Like, why? Why are you so convinced of this? But that sounds like a shitty question. Like that oh, sounds like I'm trying to trip you up. But that's but that's like a legitimate question. But though, from right? me, yeah, from me, I 100% want to know. Like, why are you convinced that this is the truth? Well, here's the thing that we're talking about here, right? Well, what you, what were you talking about? You know, if you're in the IFB and you start asking difficult questions, they tell you to shut up, right? Right, and then and you get labeled. 
Um, and, and we all know, years. yeah, we all know that like getting labeled as a rebel is like, I mean, look at what happened to Evan because he got labeled as a rebel. Yeah. You know, they might send you off to, to I don't know, to send you off to a roll off home or the, the, the uh, reformers unanimous home or whatever, or, or the gape house or, you know, the, <laughs> oh God, you've got to stop with that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, no, the, um, or but, Hep's, Hep's house. like, so <laughs> but but like here here's the thing is that like you you ask somebody like the IFB about these it's a difficult question and then you get treated like you're like an insolent child for asking the question. If you go to like a, a paleontologist or a geologist and you ask them a question about it, then they will answer your question and then you ask them a follow-up question and they'll have an answer for that and the, and it might be like more complicated than something that you can understand. But it will be like a, a legitimate like you can keep asking these people questions and they'll have an answer for your question. Right. That's the that's other, the sort of difference. Is that uh, well on the yeah. other hand, if you go to a paleontologist and try to convert him and convince him to be a creationist, it's not gonna go well. Which you did at <laughs> one point. It did it, it was really more the person that that I was with that that initiated the trying to convert the paleontologist process, but I was there. I was complicit. It's not even like chess versus checkers. It's like some person <laughs> is playing chess. The other person has checkers pieces, but instead of like trying to play checkers, they're just throwing them. <laughs> just like, here, I'm going to hit you with this checkers piece. King me, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I showed you where at OMSI that happened. Yeah, we were, we went up, we went upstairs. Yeah. And I was the, like, it was in this room. <laughs> sitting on this wooden crate <laughs> yes <laughs> no, this like, is where somebody that i knew tried to convince a paleontologist of creationism <laughs> right well it's the sort of thing where like when you would say when i would ask you about like the the flood being you know none of the answer like if you think i don't want to say if you think about it for a second that doesn't make sense because i'm sure that like there's plenty of smart people who believe this stuff because they've been told it, you know, and, and their whole life. And they've been basically told the world is a certain way specifically so that these things that they've been told can make sense. But like, if you ask me who, you know, has been out in the world and has interacted with the world and seen a lot of things, the, the same sort of, it, it doesn't make sense. And if you keep asking questions, like they, they have to go back and they have to go back and they have to go back and they have to rely on, like eventually you get to the point where it's just like, well, you just have to believe it. Okay. Yes. But here's the thing. I feel like I've been on this real kick lately um, of talking about how staying in the IFB would have been easier than leaving. Yeah. And that's why we have a respect for people who have left. And that's why I encourage everybody um, in our Facebook group and in all other interactions to to be respectful of people who are really trying to get out, even if they haven't made that leap yet, even if they are going moving very slowly and you wish they would hurry the fuck up. I really try to encourage people to be respectful of those people because what they're trying to do is a very hard thing. And that's the thing about how this relates to young earth creationism and the noetic flood is that if you watched the if you watch the Ken Ham Bill Nye debate, um, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to we talk, talk about, about that yeah. at length in the in the evolution episode. But if you watch that debate, you would 
you would maybe notice that creation, people who believe in, in young earth creation have an answer for everything. Like any science based question, if you asked me, I would be able to tell you with certainty, well, it's this way because of this. Uh, we have fossils exist because of the worldwide flood. And the dinosaurs all died, not because of a crater, but because of uh, the worldwide flood. And then dinosaurs don't exist anymore because after the flood, there wasn't enough food for them to eat. And dinosaurs lived with humans in the Garden of Eden, and I can prove it because I found a fossil where there's human footprints next to dinosaur footprints. And evolution... I should probably pick her up. Hold on. Maybe I was getting too preachy, and that's why she said, Mama, you got to stop that. You don't sound preachy. You sound okay. fine. Um, somebody on Reddit said that we're not preachy, and I appreciated that. And now I'm a little bit self-conscious about making no, sure I keep it that way. You're not preachy. I don't think you've ever been preachy. Okay, good. Oh, and the dinosaurs didn't die out because of a crater. They died out because of the Great Flood. And there's no dinosaurs left on Earth because Noah took two dinosaurs on the Ark. But after the Great Flood, there wasn't enough for them to eat. And I can prove that the dinosaurs were in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve because there, there is a set of dinosaur footprints alongside human footprints. Are, are the those same, Adam's footprints then? Like, is no? That they're just saying that. Well, no, it's just some pre-flood human, just like anybody from before the flood. Okay, because there was two thousand years between creation and the flood, right? But like, creationism yeah. has an answer for everything. Every fossil. I spent years studying this. I spent years just digging into the supposed. Scientific proofs of creationism. I've watched probably hundreds of hours, definitely dozens of hours of videos uh, from a guy named Kent Hovind, who is just going to get his own episode because he's fun. Uh, tax fraud and all kind of stuff. Um, okay. <laughs> I love it when I love white collar crime, true crime. That's like not like murder or assault. Um, that's my favorite true crime. <laughs> yeah, it's it's way funnier because they like I feel like white joke collar about it. Yeah. White collar criminals also get up to the funniest shenanigans. Oh, yeah. like, no, they do. Like, because they're not like, oh, I'm out here to kill people. I'm out here to just <laughs> have a bunch of money and do ridiculous <laughs> with it. That's it's right. like it's very Florida, but not uh, Ken like. Ken was in Florida. Oh well, <laughs> could have called that. Yeah, he was in Pensacola. Um, met the guy. He showed me a, a leg bone and told me it was from Goliath. But I'm going to save that story uh, for when we actually do an episode on him. Because Where did he get it from Hobby Lobby? <laughs> I think some of his stuff was probably from there. Uh, I'm going to try to prove it. <laughs> anyway. No, like these, um, these creationists have an answer for everything. Uh, I mean, even Ken Ham's organization is called Answers in Genesis. And the whole thing is about how they can explain everything. And when you talk about your viewpoint of these things, there's a lot of I don't knows. And there's a lot of, oh, well, we estimate. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, 245 to 255 million years. Well, that's that's 10 million years off. People who believe in Young Earth creation can tell you what happened every single year since the creation of the entire universe. Because they've gone back and done the math on the so-and-so beget so-and-so in the Bible. Yeah. And so it's – I'm not saying that that proves creation and disproves modern science. I just feel like that's difficult to justify 
for somebody like me who spent 20 something years believing that they had every answer to everything. It's very hard to leave having every answer in favor of the I don't knows. So that's one of the reasons why I think cults are 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 popular or why, you know, if somebody's trying to sort of hoodwink you into believing something, the easiest way to do that is to provide pe- or, you know, hoodwink somebody into like a political ideology or hoodwink somebody into joining some sort of religious group or, or you know, some even a lot of times like racist beliefs, you'll see this is that they will provide a very simple answer to a complicated question. You know, oh, well, like, why is our our country doing poorly or or this or that and the other thing? And you can be like, well, it's because of this and that and this and that. And, you know, there's there's this that contributes to it, too. I mean, there's a lot of permutations. There's a lot of like and then or they can just be like, oh, well, it's these people. These people are causing the problems. Be mad at them. Yes. You know, simple answers to complicated questions is like that's like their bread and butter. That's how you get somebody. Yes. And it's just so addictive. Having an answer for everything is just, it's euphoric and it's extremely difficult to even consider giving that up. Yeah. And, and so when you are the kind of person that has that ability, I mean, it like cults and, and, and these beliefs in general are intentionally made to flatter the people to adhere to that adhere to them. So you, you're supposed to feel like, okay, well, I am the smart one. I'm the, the adult in the room. I'm the genius here because I know the truth when everybody else is being led astray on this path. I'm the one who knows everything. And that's one of the reasons why also narcissists seem to do so well in these types of groups. Yeah. But that's a contributing factor. Uh, yes. And I think that's also um, that's some, that's a reason for people to not start thinking about other options other options or other views of the world because just the idea of I am used to always being right and I'm used to always having the answer and to consider that if you stop believing in this belief system or even modify your belief that you're no longer going to have the answers it's really it's a it's a terrible feeling it's not very fun no it is um and it, it's it's like it's an ego death it's it's just it really sucks and anybody who's been there can tell you Having to admit that you don't have every answer and that you're going to have to rethink your everything that you've lived your life for. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's not fun. It's really not fun. I could see, you know, when you were looking at that T-Rex skull, I think the T-Rex skull was one of the big because it was there. It was giant. It was huge. That and like the that and like the, the whole fossil skeletons, like the Utah Raptor and stuff. Yeah. By the way, yeah. I have really cool pictures for you. Also, like look on our Instagram. Yeah. So we like when you were looking at that, like I could see that you were you were just like staring at this thing and it was just like the like there's like a vein popping in your forehead. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, probably like like you're it's a trying good thing to I had a mask on because I'm pretty sure it was just like completely slack jawed. Yeah. Like, you're, but like I could tell you're trying to wrap your head around what you're being told and it doesn't jive with everything that you that you've believed up to this point. And I could say like your brain was working real, <laughs> real, real hard. But, you know, that's that's supposed to happen when you think about these things. It's supposed to have it's supposed to be like that. Yeah, I think the thing, it's not easy. The thing for me, like I I can't end this episode on saying and now I believe that dinosaurs are 250 million years old. The end. Like That is not where I am quite yet. But I, I definitely feel a lot more ready to consider it. Like I feel a lot more ready to jump in 
mentally to to learning more and to think and and to approaching this from the from the approach to approach this whole question from the mindset of this is probably true like this whole 250 million years thing is probably true like i'm i'm just like i know you'd probably like to hear me say like yep definitely true all better now but i i i always want to be on the journey with our listeners and not set myself up as somebody who is done with that journey. Yeah, so that's where I am right now. It's like I'm I feel especially after seeing the fossils and being having a good long time to like look at them and and learn about things. Yeah, I feel like I'm ready to approach it from the mindset of this is probably true. So I think that's progress and I'm excited to keep people updated on as as I work through this. You know what it's probably going to come down to when you you finally like make that point is when it's it's going to be like Chuck's going to bring home some science homework and you're going to have to go over it with her and then you're going to be like okay is is this what I'm going to teach my daughter is is what happened and then you're going to read the science textbook with her and you're going to be like oh okay well this yeah. makes sense yeah I mean who knows that's probably what it's going to be <laughs> so there's this term that you might not know do you know what an egg is in the sense of like a trans person. Oh, is that I? I've heard of that. That's a trans person who doesn't know that they're trans yet. Right, like a trans person who is starting to have understandings of who they are, but is just not at the point yet where they're willing to come out and say, "Oh, I am transgender. I am a man, or I am a woman, uh, or I am a trans non-binary person." It's like hatching. Like yeah, and that's referred like to as egg. hatching. Yeah. And I feel like I'm a evolution egg right now. <laughs> <laughs> like that is um, the uh, the analogy that I feel like fits for for what I'm experiencing. Like I know I I feel like I know in my heart what's eventually going to happen, but I'm just not there yet. And I feel like when it does happen, it's either going to be a, a very euphoric experience or it's going to be a bit devastating. I'm not sure which. Yeah, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Why don't we? And it'll probably happen live on air. <laughs> Why don't we finish this episode by talking about one thing that you were taught in the IFB, which was proven false about the dinosaurs. And this is about how they died. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So I was told like, okay, so people who believe in evolution believe that dinosaurs died because a crater smashed the earth and it was an fell, asteroid. Yeah. An asteroid smashed the earth and it fell on top of all the dinosaurs and it smushed them to death. And that's why there's no dinosaurs. Isn't that silly? So that's what I was taught. So that's what you, that's what you were taught. <laughs> yes. Um, so and 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 also uh, the the corollary to that is, and if that had happened, well, where is the crater from the asteroid that fell on all the dinosaurs and smushed them? There's no crater that big in the Earth. Isn't that silly? So the reality is that, uh, it, and of course, they're going to misrepresent the beliefs of people who disagree with them because that's like basic 101, trying to brainwash people, misrepresent the, your opponents. Yeah. <laughs> um, the reality is that 65 million years ago, and uh, like a seven-mile-wide asteroid smashed into the Earth uh, at what is now like Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula. The resulting impact launched a bunch of dust and dirt and and just stuff into the atmosphere which basically clouded the atmosphere so long that it blocked out the sun for several months and then everything died because the the sun was blocked out right because of the temperature changes involving 
there not being sunlight and because of the plants that didn't grow because of the sunlight, which meant that the plant-eating dinosaurs, which I learned are the ones that walk on four legs, didn't have anything to eat. And the meat-eating dinosaurs, which are the ones that walked on two legs and ate the plant-eating ones, also didn't have anything to eat. Yeah, so it's basically a degradation in the food chain. It's the same concept that we have... Which makes a lot more sense. (laughs) Yeah, so it's the same concept that, you know, when people were worried about nuclear winter, that's what they were worried about, that it would be that people would, that they would launch off a bunch of nuclear bombs, nuclear bombs would blow up, but knock a bunch of like dust up into the atmosphere, block out the sun. Uh, It's also uh, the same sort of thing that happens when there is a volcanic eruption if there is a huge volcanic eruption that launches a bunch of uh, ash up into the atmosphere, what will happen is it will actually block out the sun to such a degree that or reflect sunlight to such a degree that the Earth's overall temperature will cool significantly. Right. So it's like it's like a literal thing that happens. It's Th- these not... are proven concepts. It's just like a, on a massive scale. Right. And so does it, I mean, it makes it should probably make sense to you why that it would that I would believe that, okay, so these people say that a crater fell on or an asteroid fell onto Earth and it smushed all the dinosaurs. Well, of course, that doesn't make sense. No. Uh, why would all the dinosaurs be in that one spot under? The, <laughs> did dinosaurs only live in like a seven mile wide radius? Yeah, but if you if they don't understand like the scientific concept between like the sun and the atmosphere and the, like the, so they're not going to be able to explain that to you either, even if they wanted to, which they wouldn't. Right. I- exactly. And then they also will just say, well, where's the crater? In Mexico, it's there. They found it. Yeah. Well, what we learned at the museum is that they didn't find the crater until like the 1960s. And it didn't become common knowledge until the 70s. And the IFB are stuck in the 60s and the 50s. So, of course, they didn't know that they found the crater. Right. So that was a that was a that was a learning experience because I was given so much misinformation about that gosh darn crater you know i could tell when you were at this museum that you were looking at these things you were looking at these animatronic dinosaurs and you were like like i'm trying to like you're trying to wrap your head around the fact that this like that this thing was real and this thing was alive and it walked around on the earth this this was this trip was a lot of of gavi like taking care of my stroller the stroller so i could hold chuck and just kind of me standing very still, kind of halfway bent over, just staring at things. Yeah. Just it trying to be like, this lot. was a lot. But- it was a lot of me just standing very still with like a, str- a massive stream of information pouring in through my eyes. So here is one of the things that I think I was telling you about, though, uh, is that when you were looking at these things, you're like, these things don't look real. I'm like, well, you know what it looks like. I mean, you lived in Florida. You, It looks like an alligator. It looks like a weird alligator, right? Yeah. Kind of. Well, did you know that uh, not alligators, but related to alligators, crocodiles apparently are known as the perfect predator because they have been alive and virtually unchanged, virtually unevolved for like 200 million years. So how did they survive the crater thing? Because thing. They're, I, I guess they were in the water. They could survive on land. They can survive in the water. Oh, so they were like eating fish who don't really care if it gets cold. They, I guess they were. don't need a lot of sunlight. 
I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if the same fish that we have now are the same ones that we had before, but like crocodiles have been virtually unchanged. Like they found fossils of crocodiles that are pretty much the same as what crocodile bones today look like that are, huh. according to carbon dating are 200 million years old. So that like, so, you know, you look at an animal like the crocodile and you're just like, oh, well, this thing kind of looks like a dinosaur. Oh, well, we have this evidence that says that this thing is as old as the dinosaur. This thing is the same, basically, as it has been when the dinosaurs are. You know, it makes it seem a little bit more believable, doesn't it? Yeah. What makes a crocodile not a dinosaur? I don't know. I, I, okay, there's, I there's my tell there's my research question for the week. Uh, maybe a crocodile is a crocodile. I mean, you know what? I'm going to Google it. Is a crocodile a dinosaur? <laughs> Okay, because I'm like, why wouldn't why wouldn't then a crocodile be a dinosaur? See, I googled our crocodiles. The first thing that popped up is our crocodiles dinosaurs. Oh, okay. So apparently, I don't know. There's a bunch of articles here. Is it is it a, is it a question? Are people like they might be dinosaurs? Yeah, people people are people are more than one person has asked about this. But like, if you look at a crocodile, <laughs> crocodiles kind of look like dinosaurs, and they've been around as long as dinosaurs. Hmm. So I mean that like. There is just so much to learn about dinosaurs. That's what I've learned from this experience. There are literally one million things I could learn about dinosaurs. And I kind of feel sad that I've never learned about dinosaurs before. Well, here's a fun thing is that I'm going to give you the opportunity to learn even more about dinosaurs. And you want to know why that is? Why is that? Because we're bringing back homework. Yay! We're bringing back homework. And to in, in the theme of it being back to school month slash two months august and september i don't know when you're going back to school the listeners or sending your kids back to school uh but in august and september like i said we're doing all back to school themed content so i'm going to assign sadie only educational themed content for homework um and the what i'm gonna clearly need it well i was thinking you know i would assign you not just educational themed content but like educational themed children's content that I was watching when I was a kid. So I decided um, that I'm going to assign you some episodes of the Magic School Bus. Okay. Oh, that's going to be so good. Magic School Bus. Okay. So there, I, I, it's, we're going to do three episodes. One of them is going to be an episode from season two called Busasaurus. And this is an episode where they go back in time to the time of the dinosaurs and meet the dinosaurs. And then the other two that I'm going to assign you are one where they go to space and explore the solar system and one where they go to uh, inside and explore the digestive system. So these are the first uh, the first two episodes of season one and then one episode in season two called Busasaurus. So if you want to follow along or maybe you even remember those, uh, go back. Uh, season one is on Netflix. Season two isn't on Netflix. Uh, you'll you'll have to find it some other place the the dinosaur one but we're going to talk about these uh, in an upcoming homework episode. Well, that sounds awesome. I will um, I'll poke around some ex IFB people and see if we can figure out why Magic School Bus was banned because I don't remember. I just remember it was bad. Well, I'm sure it was because they had the dinosaurs in it. I'm not sure if it was because of dinosaurs. I think it may have been because they thought. Uh, the teacher was gay. I thought she was gay. I thought they found out that Miss Frizzle. Well, let me Google this. I think Miss Frizzle was gay. Was that <laughs> this, is that the, canon? I feel like the title of this episode should either be "That seems like poor planning on God's behalf," or "Let me Google it." So apparently, <laughs> those are my two favorite moments from this episode today. So uh, all of these, the, I, I I'm I'm not saying that. 
okay, Miss Frizzle is back. Blah 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 blah. Oh, there's all sorts of uh, people talking about. There's all sorts of of blog posts talking about like uh, from like lesbians talking about how Miss Frizzle was like their gay icon growing up. Uh, but there's not like any canon that says Miss Frizzle is gay. But also, like, in the dinosaur episode that I'm going to have you watch, there's definitely part of it where, like, there's this paleontologist that Miss Frizzle is friends with. And I was watching this. I'm just like, wait, what? Like, uh, there is definitely something going on there. <laughs> okay. Well, I look forward this, this to this female tour. paleontologist that Miss Frizzle is friends with. I'm just like, that, like, Hondo P. Um, well, I will, I will watch it with my my expert uh my expert knowledge of of being gay and yeah. i'll let you know <laughs> so yeah um and one more thing is that one week from today is uh we're going to do our anniversary episode oh is it that time already it's that time already so our first episode came out on august 11th 2020 our anniversary episode we i think we're going to have some fun that it's going to be coming out on august 9th Monday, August 9th, 2021 is our anniversary episode, and it's going to be good. Uh, we have some stuff planned, but that's, I think, about the time when we are finally going to do the Mountain Moo Challenge. Yeah, uh, I thought I said certain number of downloads in a week, but apparently then, I said 100,000 downloads. No, you said 10,000 downloads in a week, and then we got 10,000 downloads in a what? week. We have t- we've had 10,000 downloads in a week? Yes. Oh, my gosh. When uh, you did the AMA on Reddit. Oh, okay. I yeah, thought we, we only got to like 6,000 that week. No, we got like... <laughs> I, I don't remember exactly. No, we did get to 10,000 downloads in one oh, week. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a wild week. And then... Or maybe it was five. I can't remember. But that was passed. And we passed 100,000 downloads. So we are going to have to do the Mountain Moo Challenge. So Sadie, uh, if you... Uh, I want to do the, the um, Red Heifer yeah, I, I was going to do Red Heifer. You were going to do Baja Blast. Okay, fine. Okay, Jonathan I'll do Baja will, Blast. Well, no, it's fine. Wanted. Jonathan will appreciate having Baja Blast in the house. Well, cool. I, you know what? We we talked about it on the Instagram, on the IG I'm Live. not drinking a full pint, though. It's not happening. You don't have to. Thank you. Or maybe you do. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, I'll drink eight ounces of it, but that's about all I'll do. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, until then, uh, we, are, so when's the homework episode coming out? Is it coming out this week or is it coming out next week? You know, I don't know if we had decided. We'll figure it out. So it's either it comes coming out when it comes out. Be it's thankful. either coming out three days from now or it's coming out a week from three days from now. We haven't decided. Uh, yeah, we've rambled enough. Do you want to wrap this one up finally? Yes. Let's finally wrap this one up. Wait, weren't you going to ask me what my favorite dinosaur was? Oh yeah. What's your favorite dinosaur? I had to look it up and I don't. Okay, here it is. Ornitho. Nope. I don't know. Hang on. Let me see you if I can can't get pronounce it. It can't be I your can't favorite. I can't pronounce it. Well, I just found out. No, that's not fair. I just found out about it. Okay. It's not fair for me to have to pronounce it when I just found out about it like yesterday. Send it to I'm me just... in a text message and I'll see if I can pronounce no, it. No, I'm for just going to try to. No, you can't. It's the ostrich one. I'm just going to see if I can find the pronunciation on the internet. There's got to be a like a website that'll say it for you, right? Is it the Ornithomimosauria? Is that it? Ornithomimosauria. Hang on. Ornithomimid. No, that's not the right word. That's almost the right word. Yeah, I think you're right. 
It's but which I saw one with the feathers. It made the little cheapy noise. I liked it. Yeah, those are cute. Her I fun. thought it was cute, and I didn't feel like it was going to knock me over. What's your favorite dinosaur? Uh, hmm. I don't know. I think the pterodactyl. Yeah, Pterodactyls are cool. are cool. They fly. Okay, now we can be done. Okay, yeah. So if you want to follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, uh, it is at Leaving Eden Podcast. On Twitter, it is at Leaving Eden Pod. Please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Leaving Eden Podcast. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a bonus section onto this one where we talk about some other things that we saw in the museum, which will be good. Uh, and then uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, come join our Facebook group, which is going to be facebook.com slash group slash Eden Exodus. Uh, come join that. Uh, Sadie, do you want to plug your social media? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram, where I am now an influencer because I have over 500 followers. Uh, my Instagram is Sadie Carpenter Music. You can also follow me on Twitter and become one of my favorite people by liking all of my tweets. Uh, my Twitter is at HellYeahSadie. My TikTok is still uh, Sadie Carpenter one I'll just let you know. Yeah. And I'm defeated can, on the TikTok front, but I'm still making some videos. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Clubhouse at G-A-V-R-I-E-L-H-A-C-O-H-E-N. And until next time, uh, we hope that you guys have a really good day. Please enjoy this episode. Bye-bye. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at Bolin branch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.